Well, good morning. Um, as James and Jenny have already said, this morning we are going to be continuing in our series of Nehemiah. And we're going to be doing a bit of a whistle-stop tour of chapters through, uh, three through to chapter six. So we're going to try and cover quite a lot of chapters this morning and see what it is that God might be saying to us and us as a church uh, this morning. Now, as we've just heard uh, from chapter four, some of the chapters at four, five, and six contain quite a lot of the opposition. So the reasons that people opposed the building work that was taking place. Why they said to Nehemiah, actually, what you're doing is not right and you should not be doing it. And I think it's really helpful for us to look at these chapters for our own context, for the times that we might feel that people are opposing us, for the opposition that we might face in our own lives but also for those of us that feel opposition. What is it that opposition can do to us that can be such an unhealthy thing that might take us away from God, whereas healthy questioning and constructive criticism can draw us closer to God? But before we look at the kind of chapters four, five, and six, which really talk about the opposition, I think it's really helpful to start with chapter three. Because chapter three is a chapter that is really different from a lot of the other chapters that are found in the book of Nehemiah. Because if you've read the book of Nehemiah, you might have noticed it's written quite like a diary entry. It is quite conversational. He, Nehemiah writes a lot in the first person. He talks about when I saw this, when we did this. And then suddenly we get to chapter three, which is written in quite a different way. So it's written as quite a narrative description of the actual detail of the building of the wall. And it's one of these chapters that I think quite oftentimes I would have just read over and not really paid much attention to because it feels quite detailed. But a lot of scholars think that chapter three might have actually been put into the book of Nehemiah at a different point once the book had been finished. So it's thought that maybe Nehemiah was kind of writing this diary entry of everything that was going on around him. But at the same time, he kept a detailed description of the actual building work of the wall. And if that is the case, which obviously we don't know, but it's thought that it is, I think there's a real uh, noticeable point as to where he put this chapter. Because this chapter details the entire building of the whole of the wall. And yet it comes just before we hear the opposition to the building of the wall. So we can read chapter three knowing that the whole time that this building work was taking place, there was opposition coming at the people, but yet they carried on with the building. At not one point did the opposition that was coming to them stop them doing the work that they felt that God had given to them. And what is so brilliant about chapter three is that it is a wonderful picture of the whole of the community coming together in unity to do an incredible work that made an impact across the whole city. This wasn't about Nehemiah hearing from God and saying, yeah, I've heard from God. This is what I think I should go and do. This was about Nehemiah going to his people and saying, this is what I think I've heard from God. Do you want to come with me as community? This was the whole body of God's people working together to achieve the thing that they felt God had put on their hearts to do. In this chapter, chapter three, we read of lots of different families who came together, who built different sections of the wall. We read about priests, we read about different tribes. We read about uh, different occupations. It talks about the perfume makers, the goldsmiths, so many different people coming together. And it also talks about the unexpected people. So in uh, chapter 3, verse 12, it says, Shalom, son of Heliser, ruler of the half-dictorate of Jerusalem, repaired the next section of the wall with the help of his daughters. Unexpected people. 
Culturally, it wouldn't have been the daughters who would have been expected to go and do the work. And yet, it mentions them because it was that sense of even the unexpected people came and they helped in unity as God's people to do this work. Whether they were high status, whether they were low status, whether they were rich, whether they were poor, they came together in unity to make an incredible difference to the city in which they found themselves. The other really wonderful thing that you'll notice quite a lot if you read chapter three is that it talks about people building beside their house or in front of their house. In chapter three, verse 23, it says, beyond them, Benjamin and Hasabub, excuse me if I'm getting any of these names wrong, I haven't got a clue, and made repairs to the front of their house. And next to them, Azariah, son of Messiah, the son of Ananiah, made repairs beside his house. They made repairs in front of their house and they made repairs beside their house. They took the little section of the wall that was right by the community in which they lived and they said, that's the bit we're going to commit to building. We're going to do that bit. And it was a massive wall. It went around the whole city. They couldn't see what everyone else was doing and yet they committed to doing their bit, trusting that in unity everyone else was getting on and doing their work to impact the whole city of Jerusalem. The other really wonderful bit about chapter 3 is in verse 1, it starts at the sheep gate. The building starts there. Then we read of the whole way round the wall and it ends back at verse 32 at the sheep gate. They built the entire wall, but not one person trying to do everything, but everybody trying to do a little bit and the impact that that made. And the wonderful truth that they said at the end of chapter 2, verse 20, that Judy spoke about last week, was that they weren't trying to do it in human success. They said in verse 20 of chapter 2, the God of heaven will give us success. That is, each of them built their tiny bit of the wall. Their focus was not on human achievement. It was on putting their eyes on God and saying that we together as a unified group of God's people with our eyes on God can do an incredible work together. God was working through them. The integrity of the building of the whole wall depended on God's people building together. And I don't know about you, but for me, a lot of this chapter really resonated with where we are at as a church at the moment. And actually not just Riverside, but so many churches throughout the UK who for so many reasons, because of restrictions we're still under, because of difficulties they face, because of things that have changed over this last period of time, are looking at the future of their churches in a different way. That they might be demonstrating how they're working in different ways to how they have before. That even at Riverside, even though we can't see each other physically together every Sunday at the moment, actually we can look at this passage and we can say, but yes, we can still be God's people impacting the city of Birmingham in the same way that the people impacted the whole city of Jerusalem by doing their little bit on the wall. We can be those people too. That we take that little place that God has placed us and we say, we are not going to try and change this whole city. I cannot change this city, but I can share the love of Jesus with the people that God has put around me. So where is your piece of the wall? Right now, where is that piece of the wall that God has given to you to impact and make a difference in? Maybe it's your workplace. Maybe it's at the school gates. Maybe it's in your friendship groups, your family groups. Maybe it's in the support groups that you're a part of or, or your street or the estate that you live on, the gym that you go to. So many different places that can be your piece of the wall 
where God is saying, what is in front of you? What is beside you? Because that is the place that right now you can impact and you can make an incredible difference in. That we can be unified. We can be people working in unity together, even though we might not be able to see each other all of the time in the ways that we would love to be doing. And it might be that at this time, there is a new piece of the wall that God is stirring up within you. However big, however small that is, that there might be your place in your community that God has put you. But as we move forward into this new trajectory for Riverside as a church, there might be a piece of the wall that is stirring within you. I met with a family a couple of weeks ago who have a house that has been adapted for people with access needs. And they just said to me, what we would love to do is we would love to know that people in our community know that there is a house that if they want to come and they want to be and they want to watch church on a Sunday morning or they want to be part of a group, then our house is there for them. Let people know that our house is there for those people to come into. Brilliant. A stirring up within them of a new piece of the wall that God wants to build through them and through their circumstance, through their house been adapted in the way that it has. I've had so many wonderful conversations with people who have said, I'm just really concerned about the people who've been more on the fringes of Riverside. How do we make sure at the moment that they are connected in? That might be your piece of the wall that God is stirring up in you. Who is that person that you haven't seen for 18 months who you might just want to ring? Or you even might want to drop an email to the leadership if you don't know their phone number and just say, oh, can someone just check in on this person? that we are welcoming people, that it's so wonderful here this morning, we've got a family with us who have, I think they came to Bourneville once before and have come and joined our church in this last period of time. We've got someone on Alpha who is doing an amazing job with the lights this morning, welcoming people in. That how can we be a people who are going to welcome those into our piece of the wall that God has given us? It might be that you're kind of having a stirring within you about the youth, about the children, about getting involved in the tech stuff, whatever it is, what is that piece of the wall that God might be stirring within you that right now you can get involved in? But I'm also aware that just as we're going to go on and read about some of the opposition that was being faced as the people built the wall around Jerusalem, that for some of us right now, we might just think, I don't want to build part of this wall. I'm not sure I even want to be part of this plan. I'm not quite sure where I'm at at the moment. And do you know what? It's okay not to always agree. I think Tim mentioned when he shared uh, the vision those weeks ago that we as a staff team haven't always agreed. We have asked questions. We have had tough conversations. We haven't always got on. But actually asking questions and constructive criticism is a good thing. It helps to build vision. It helps to shape the way forward. It helps us to come together as a unified people of God to say, whilst we might not agree, we want to go forward, we want to be committed in this, and we want to do this in the right way. And it's been so brilliant to hear people give us feedback in a really positive way that has helped reshape and jiggle some of the ways forward. Constructive criticism is a good thing. But critical opposition is a destructive thing. It tears down what is being built and it builds up within each of us something so destructive that actually it sometimes can take hold. And that's what we see in chapter four. We read about this guy that uh, was read to us in the Bible reading this morning, Sanballat. And we have already met him. We've met him in chapter two. And in chapter two, he says that he mocks and he ridicules the plans that God's people had. It was quite a sort of like, oh, what are you doing? Don't be ridiculous. 
There was a lightness to it, just a sort of disagreeing. But by the time we see him in chapter 4, uh, in verse 2, this has changed, this has festered, and this has grown. It says he became angry and was greatly incensed. He ridiculed the Jews and in the presence of his associates and the army of Samaria. There is a rage that has grown within him. He looked at what was going on and he disagreed with it, but rather than going and trying to work that through in a constructive way, he has allowed this disagreement, this criticism to grow and overtake him to the point where he is now in rage. And we've all probably been there at some points, haven't we? That thing that we've disagreed with, whether it's been in a friendship, a relationship, with church, in the workplace, and it's eaten us up and it's grown and it's overtaken us. And there's also that we read that he tries to get others on side. He, he shares his frustrations and his criticisms in the presence of others to try and get them to come with him. I know that I've done that. Times when I have felt so uh, opposing towards something or have felt so hurt by somebody that I want all those people around me to agree with the things that I'm saying and come with me. But what does that do? It simply eats him up and tears him down. And then in chapter 6, which really jumped out to me, there is another point where, again, he's opposing the work of the wall. And it says, and they reply to him, nothing like what you are saying is happening. You were just making it up in your head. How many times have we done that as well? I know I do it all the time. Write those stories in my head. Oh, I think this is what this person thinks, so that I'm going to get really angry. And actually, when I go and have a conversation with that person, that's not what they were thinking at all. All it took would have been one conversation but actually those things are festered within me, just as we read here. The opposition, when it becomes critical, can be destructive, both for the work that's taking place, but also for the person who is doing the criticising. And what I love is the response that the people in the community give uh, when Sambala is there and he's trying to stir the armies up and say, come on board with me, I don't agree with what they're doing. In chapter 2, when he's mocking them, they try and talk to him. But by this point, they see the rage that is growing within him. So rather than try and uh, change his mind because he has become so incensed, they just give it to God. And they say, hear us, our God. In community, they come together. They come before God. They bring this situation to God. And then it goes on to say that they worked with all their heart. They wanted to make sure their heart was right before God. So they brought the situation to God and they carried on working for God. I had a conversation with somebody earlier this week that really challenged me and really struck me. I met with them to talk about the new plans for Riverside and sort of group life and things within that. And they were coming up with some brilliant ideas and it was really exciting and they were sharing sort of ideas for their group and how they were welcoming new people in the meetings they were having. It was really encouraging. And just as I left, one of the group members followed me out and they said to me, you know, when I first heard this roadmap for Riverside, when I first heard Tim share this, I had really negative feelings about this. There was a real negativity about a lot of what was shared. But what really struck me was they committed not to talk to anyone about it. They didn't even talk to their spouse. They brought it before God and asked God to work it through with them. And now, obviously, uh, many weeks later, and kind of having gone back and listened to the, the roadmap ahead, God's really helped change them to help them see them in different ways. It doesn't mean they don't still have questions. They still have questions. They still have concerns. But actually, by bringing it to God, that destructive negativity had gone. That doesn't mean we can't talk to people. That doesn't mean that we have to keep things inside to wrestle with us and God. Part of chatting to God actually can be getting the wise counsel of those around us. But it's doing it in a way which honours God 
and doesn't destroy us at the same time. It was a real challenge. Some of the other opposition uh, that they faced was physical opposition. It says in chapter 4, verse 8, they all plotted together to come and fight against Jerusalem. And in the midst of physical opposition, they did a practical response. They put watchmen around the edges of the wall who could watch and look out for what was taking place. Now, we might not have armies coming towards us, opposing things in our lives. We might not have an army coming towards us as Riverside at the moment. But there will be physical, practical things that will stand in opposition. And actually, let's make our response a practical response. Again, we had a lovely email from somebody this week who was just feeling a bit concerned about some of the stuff to do with the kids' work. Obviously, a brilliant job that Melody's doing. But they offered themselves and they said, you know, we want to help. We're here. This is what we want to do. Brilliant. What an encouragement to Melody to have those people saying, where we have concerns, we're stepping in and we want to help and we want to change this because this is brilliant, what is going forward and what God is doing. But the bit that really struck me about the physical opposition that was being faced in chapter four actually wasn't the external opposition that the people were facing. It was the opposition that was coming from within. In chapter, in verse 10 of chapter four, it says, meanwhile, the people in Judah said, the strength of the laborers is giving out. There is so much rubble, we cannot rebuild the wall. That as the people did the rebuilding, it felt too hard. The work felt too much. But what the verse doesn't say is that they came and they said, right, that's it, we're walking away. They came and they said, this is too much, this is too hard. The rebuilding right now for me, for some of the labourers, is too much. And I just want to say to you, if at the moment the area of service that you are in within our church is causing you to feel really critical and you know it is causing really destructive thoughts and feelings within you, then that might be a prompting of God's spirit to say, do you know what, right now, that's okay not to do that area of service. Because maybe God is going to be moving you into a new area. It might even be that right now God is calling you to be one of the watch people, to stand and to pray and to intercede for our city, to intercede for the people of God as they build the part of their wall. That is so important. And it might be that stepping down or changing the area of service that you're in actually will free both you to flourish in where God wants you to be, but will also bring up new leaders to step into the positions that you were in. Let's not stay doing what we're doing and feeling critical about it if actually God's calling is something different on us. Because how amazing would that be that we could all become different parts of the jigsaw puzzle, but together we make this beautiful picture doing what God wants us to be doing. And then in chapter five, we see this other opposition where, again, internal opposition, people just aren't getting it right. That their eyes have gone away from God and their eyes have come back onto the things around them, their selfish behaviour patterns, where they're doing things for their own feelings, their own thoughts. They want the best out of things. And Nehemiah comes to them and he helps them to see, actually, put your eyes back on God. Because when we have our eyes fixed on our Father in heaven, who loves us more than we can possibly imagine, actually then we will be able to have our eyes fixed on the people around them, seeing them with the love that God has for us. Because the more we understand how loved we are, the more we understand that we are chosen, precious, loved children of God, then the more we cannot help but see all of those around us in the same way too. That our hearts will cry out to go and build the wall because you want people to know what you have got in your life. 
And it's so wonderful on the Alpha courses, actually, to see people who already are Christians on those courses as well. People who are coming and saying, do you know what? I've been following this Christian faith for quite a while, but I just really want to be rerouted in what that means. I really want to re-know what it is to know that love of God as my Father in heaven who loves me so much. And if that's you, when we start on your Alpha courses, come along. We'd love you just to come along and always have that little refresher of your faith and where you're at and what God wants to be saying to you. And then in chapter 5, verse 9, the whole people come together after they've had this challenge from Nehemiah of put your eyes back on God. And it says at this, the whole assembly said, Amen and praise the Lord. There was something freeing for them, that as they put their eyes back on God rather than their own needs, actually there was something so freeing that they could come and they could praise God. Because as we as Riverside, we as the United Church in Birmingham, we as the United Church in the UK throughout the rest of the world, will not build the wall of God by our buildings Our church buildings will not walk around Birmingham changing lives for God's kingdom. They will not walk around the UK, around the rest of the world, to change the world because of a building. Church services will change people's lives, but they won't change the whole city's life. They will change the lives of those who come in or watch online. It's brilliant and it's fantastic and it does a massive work, but it will not reach everybody. But we, as the church, as the people we can go and change a whole city. Just as every single person in Jerusalem took their little bit of the wall, they changed the city. The impact on the city was massive because they rebuilt that whole wall. Wouldn't it be amazing if every single one of us committed to praying for three or four people in the little bit of the wall that God has given to us and saying that when we see them, we are going to pray for them, we are going to practically support them, we are going to show God's love to them, we could change this whole city. That is amazing. That is incredible. Nehemiah did not try and build the whole wall on his own. This was about God's people in unity. Even as they faced opposition, even as they felt opposition, looking at the opposition in the right way, asking the questions, saying they were too tired, saying things were too much, but coming together in unity to say, together, we are going to build God's wall.